to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Eliani on the board. SB Futures down 7. NASDAQ Futures down 25. Just had Walmart and Home Depot earnings. They both beat. Uh, Walmart uh, is up 5 bucks. Home Depot is uh, down 360. So you never really know what these numbers are going to do. But... Uh, there they are. Do we have Mr. Brendan? Yes, Chief. I'm here. How are you this morning? I'm doing all right. Uh, I assume you're a long Walmart. You know, it's up 490. Yeah. Well, you know, I know a guy like you who gets the memo early. You know, it's uh, actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm not so sure if we got either one of these memos. We'd have called the stock movement right, would we? <laughs> I mean, earnings are tough. You never know what the the expectators are expectating, huh? I mean, uh, that's right. <laughs> You'd think they'd do a better job of telling us in advance exactly what they want and make sure that the corporations count to that line. Well, it's, I don't even know who... Uh, a lot of these places don't give out like a lot of pre-information or anything, so you wonder where the analysts even get their... Plus, you know, when you or I were uh, younger, I mean, every firm had like teams of analysts going over these guys. I don't even know who, who does it anymore. I mean, I, remember, there had to be... 10, 15 firms in Chicago that, that they had analysts on every one of these people. I don't know if anybody... I, mean, I, I remember know. that those days. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know even who the... If you're going to line up the 15 analysts, I don't know who they'd be. I'm sure you still got your, your Goldman's and people like that, but I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of firms that used to do this kind of stuff that uh, are no longer around or merged and things like that, but anyway, everybody... So do you think that a lot of the analysis is now being done by uh, by computers and by... Uh, or is it just not being done at all? I... They still they still always have this expected number from somewhere. Um, I, you know, I, it's a... It's an odd part about uh, um, doing, the sh- doing the show, Brennan. I try being, uh, you know, from the same generation as you. Every time I... I, I try and come up with a... You know, a I'm not trying. I come up with a... Um, you know, a number or something or a study, I do my best to make sure I, I mention where it came from. But the rest of the world, I don't know. It's it's like, you know, go back how many years ago she's been dead. My aunt used to say when I was a kid, well, you know what they say? And I'd say, I don't know what they say. And who are they? Even as a young kid, I was a pain in the ass, right? And, uh, and but now it's like, you, you listen, listen to the guys in CNBC and they'd be interviewing you. And instead of you and I arguing one-to-one or discussing things and learning from each other, I'd say, well, you know, Brendan, I just talked to 15 economists, and they say, so now what do you say? <laughs> like, who, who are they? <laughs> who, are, who are these guys? But that, that's, you, you, see, you hear that all day long. and I, it's, it's, just, it's just bad journalism, I think. I don't know. To me it is, but now nobody seems to care. I guess it's good journalism. Well, I agree, and the, and, the, and that is really a foolish statement that if you've already got 15 people lined up, why are you even asking me? Yeah. Unless you believe that my opinion really outweighs theirs if I disagree. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, four Nobel laureates believe this, say, you know, we're, we're not in a recession. What do you say? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> four, four out of five dentists prefer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much the same way. Uh, anyway, but the, uh, I have a, I did some study last week, and, I, you know, I want to somewhat run this by you as, um, I think, 
uh, you learned economics sort of when I did, but it's funny, the guy from Walmart just came out and said that they're, they have a huge inventory buildup. And he uh, says that 40% of the inventory buildup is because of increase, increased prices they've paid for the stuff. They don't have, whatever, it's $1.1 billion in inventory buildup. It's not, it's not what the $1.1 billion used to buy. It's 40% essentially less than that, right? Because they paid, they paid higher for it. But it's, it's real funny. Last, last week I, I started from, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this the other day. I don't know if I did or not. Uh, I started from December 30th, 2019. And I looked at the uh, M2 money supply. It was like fifteen trillion three one nine or something. And now it's twenty one eight five eight. So it's up forty three percent in roughly two and a half years. And I and I looked at the real growth as I estimated, and I think I'm being charitable and, and saying from before COVID till today, real growth is maybe five percent total. Maybe you know you know you could argue with that and say it's six seven eight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, cut the pie up that much. But which leaves us with a with a bulge of money, of in the thirty eight to forty percent range, which when the whole day is done, if if right now the Fed uh, goes neutral on money supply growth and neutral on balance sheet, when the when the day is done, Brennan, there's forty percent price increase someplace somewhere. It, there just is. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, if you're any kind of monetary theorist or whatsoever, you've essentially degraded the currency by 40 percent, and it's going to be reflected in prices. Doesn't matter where it is. I mean, if, if gas prices go flying up and they go flying down, it'll it'll be somewhere else. There's a there's a bulge in here somewhere. You know, be it hospitals, be it. <laughs> I saw some somebody the other day who paid 11 grand for surgery on her dog. It's somewhere. It just is. I mean, by definition. Now this morning. This guy comes out, and I don't know if he was listening to me the other day. He says, guess what? The inflation's been 40%. And, the, and, and, the, uh, and their inventories over the last whatever. It's the exact same number. I don't think I'm wrong here, and yet we're having people tell you that it's all over, it's all okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Where, where do you think I'm wrong here? I don't. I, I think there's still a lot of hidden inflation that we haven't seen yet. However, I do believe that the you know, the way that we function as a society has changed a lot since since we learned economics and uh, and put these things in place. People are adapting in different ways. And um, and it's everybody's looking for the simple answer right now, both in the economic structure, but also in how we, we buy things. And um, so I think inflation has to be looked at a little bit differently. I, I don't disagree with the numbers at all, and I think that there's just a reshuffling of how we're, how we're adapting to it. Well, how, but how can you... How, how do you uh, quote adapt to uh, rent that's forty percent higher? I mean, we just don't mind the. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you you can't adapt to the rent that's forty percent higher, and, and that's that's part of the adjustment. Choosing, having to choose what really is the important thing that you're going to spend your money on. For example, we've seen fluctuations in gas over the last few months, going up and down. Now it's seemingly going down, but you're right. The the forty percent inflation rate takes place someplace else. So uh, rents still go up. Housing prices still go up if you can sell your house. So uh, it, it's it's moving. It's like, almost like whack-a-mole. And you're deciding where to, where to shift the money, what you can buy and what you can't. Well, that's right. You know, you know what this guy said this morning? It was pretty interesting. The interview, I just caught a little bit of it before we went on the show. 
well, it wasn't really an interview. They had this picture up there, and he had his answers to questions. But he says they're seeing the response in both qu- uh, quality of stuff, people not, not quality, quality, but uh, shall we say in selection and in quantity in the stores, some individual people. And one thing he mentioned was that the, uh, I think one of the highest, well, I don't, I don't think, I'm, not so, I'm sure somebody would have to prove I'm wrong. Uh, I've always heard from one of my buddies in high school was a butcher, the highest uh, uh, price or the highest margin item usually in the store is the deli counter. And this guy at Walmart said people are not going to the deli; they're buying canned, they're buying tuna fish and canned, canned uh, chicken instead. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I would, you know, I would, well, I would there's, not a guess way, there's a way of adapting. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm saying, but adapting is is, is eviscerating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you pay your rent, and you never go out, and, and, you, and you eat cheese puffs. I mean, yeah, I guess that's an adaptation, but it's it's not exactly progress, right? I mean, that's right. And and I didn't say it was progress. Right, I said right. it was adaptation. When people have a limited amount of money, or inflation is eating away at it, the choices have to change. You know, you're not going to be able uh, to go out and buy a porterhouse steak at a restaurant. You may be stuck going to McDonald's for a hamburger. Well, that's right, and the, the difference I think between uh, the high end places and the low end is, is somewhat dramatic. The high end places I think are doing really well, and the low end places mm-hmm. aren't. Uh, well, that's you know, I, I say it like every day. The thing that you know, I, if you would ask me from the and I'm, I'm love your opinion on this, the thing that struck me from the inflation of back in the days not so much that it was inflation, right, but how uneven it was, and how some people were really affected by it, and some people made money by it, and. Uh, and, and I, you know, with the way government is going here, and I know you kind of disagree here a little bit, but the way these bills are written and the way where government is right now, and I, you know, I'm not exactly a libertarian or anything like that, but I don't know if they've even known they've made the switch, but the, the winners and losers are constantly now being picked by government. I don't remember it. I mean, I'm sure the guy who got the, you know, the B-17 contract being Boeing, and where pe- people didn't always did better than the other people. I mean, I'm not that naive, but right now it seems like, I mean, right now, if if you and I are in the somehow or another, and you probably know somebody, if we could find a lobbyist where we're putting the charging stations in on I fifty seven down to Cairo, we're going to be rich for five generations. Mm-hmm. And yet, and, uh, yet a, a single person putting those things in is never going to make a dime because you're not being named, you're not getting the you know the contract, you're not getting the stuff from government. I I don't know how this plays out. Are we going to we going to end up with a with a a fascist system from top to bottom? When I say that, I'm not talking about winging people on train cars. I'm talking about an economic system. Is it just, that's where we're going? There's going to be four or five connected people in every industry? It looks like that's where we're headed. Part, it doesn't matter which party well, it is. Yeah, and when you look at the number of people who are, or the number of industries that are consolidating, I mean, just take, for example, the, the baby formula shortage that happened, well, still going on, but not in the news as much as it was a couple of months ago. They're down to, what, two or three suppliers in the entire four. United States? Four. Or, uh, for that, and, and prohibiting until the recent crisis, they were prohibiting baby formula coming in from Europe and other parts of the world. And uh, and why? Uh, there's, there's been some articles about uh, you know milk prices in a place like Montana, for example, and the restrictions on uh, how the milk has to be processed. I, I think it was Montana or someplace out west, Montana, Wyoming, something like that. And the, uh, the bills that are passed by the legislature there are really so protective of the, the local industry. Uh, and you, know, you go from state to state and you see the same milk product, for example, that they're using the story. 
uh, had a sell-by date or use-by date, which may vary by four, five, six days, and uh, how it really just is so internally protective, protectionist of the dairy farmers and a certain state that was done by, uh, by lobbyists. Uh, to protect uh, an industry, whether it's statewide or region-wide or countrywide, which I think goes completely in agreement with what you're just talking about with the um, with the lobbyists. And if you get your lobbyist, you get you get your guy. Your guy's going to pull the pull it out of the out of the hat to benefit you and nobody else. Well, how does you go back to the uh, baby formula piece a minute? The uh it, it, it sort of gets better. I don't. Know if, I don't know if you've read deep enough into this. What I'm about to say here, but there's actually four main producers, Brandon, and uh, the and that, and that's you know I, I guess that part. I don't know if there's something horrible with that part, but I was stunned when I read this whole spiel on this that over 50 percent of baby formula is actually bought by the government for these programs for people who don't have enough money, right? But the interesting part is, in every state. They, there's some kind of a bidding process, and mm-hmm. the government will only select one of the four per state. Yep. Now, who the bleep wrote that law? Some. Who wrote it and why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote it and why? Um, I mean, one argument is that it's for the protection of the of the population that needs the baby for. They want to make sure that uh, they can get the best prices by lowering the prices of negotiations with that one supplier. Um, I don't believe that argument, but that's the argument that's being made as far as instead of uh, you know, free competition. Uh, and is the quality of five different producers uh, equal to each other, somewhat equal to each other, so that the babies are, are healthy using the formula. Uh, I, I do remember that part of the article that it was that the, the WIN program or WIC program or something. Yeah, yeah. That uh, limits the number of uh, of sources. Even when even when some of the baby formula was in, in a shortage of supply, and there were others on the shelves that people in that uh, in that program could not buy an alternative to the one that they unless they wanted to pay out of pocket. Well, the place and the place I agree that one that that's that's a horrible result. Well, it's a horrible result, especially when you're looking at it in retrospect and where it is in the case of an emergency or in the case of. Uh, like the Sturgis, Michigan plant shutting down for uh, for several months and uh, and reducing the supply nationwide. Well, I got to believe that if uh, well, not only that, the, the company like this, one of them just there was just a big switch in California from one to the other. But you not only you not only gain the the, the federal business, all the other business kind of moves to you anyway because people are buying so much for the federal stuff. How does I mean I don't I don't see how all this stuff is is what, what do you suppose the price of that stuff is increased? I mean if you know if you were a a Milton Friedman price theory kind of guy, which he used to do with calculus, that nobody understood. I took him for that class. Why I have no idea, Brendan. I didn't understand a word of it. Uh, but he, I got I got to believe you, you. You've just totally messed up the system by by paying just one place and paying a price and. I, mean, I don't know how that ever ever becomes competitive. I mean, I, I, I mean, I asked the question when they when this, this bill for this chip bill just got passed from our mm-hmm. current administration, who just keeps wanting to wing money at everybody. It appears. I'm not saying that you know this chip thing isn't important. It is, but you don't let it go for 25 years, and all of a sudden it's so important you got to pay all the same firms that left money to come back. I, somehow, Brennan, I just on a 25 year year timeline, that's like really stupid, or is that just me? Uh, uh, no, I agree with you. 
But now, if, if there's, and I didn't read the bill, if there's four names in there getting getting money from the government, like in the billions of dollars, how the hell are you and I ever going to be the fifth firm? Mm-hmm. There's no way to compete. There's no way to compete with the um, the startup costs for a new industry, or um, you know, it, it's going to be hard for um, for a Packer car company to come in when you're giving that much money to GM and Ford. By the way, hey, I got a piece of piece of good news. Uh, for America, um, do you ever, did you ever tour the Tootsie Roll plant? I've never toured it. I've driven by there many times on Cicero Avenue, and God, I kept buying it. the smell of the, the chocolate there would would be gorgeous. The, my my nephew uh, works for a firm that is going to be doing some uh, fabricating for them because their machines are all sort of handmade, and uh, they they had a uh, they were made in Germany, I guess, way back in the day, but then they. They end up hiring a couple of the guys from Germany. And they're all maybe they're made in house by guys that you know. These are from the '60s and '70s. Well, some of them you know need some work, and this, this stuff happens all the time. And Pullman used to have machines that were 80 years old, and they'd go out and they'd, they'd redo them. And there's a lot of them didn't have that many moving parts. They were really designed mm-hmm. incredibly well. My, my nephew went there, and he, you know, he, he's giving me the, the big report on Sunday because you know you know how many Tootsie Roll pops they make like per minute or per hour. Uh, I know it's an astronomical number. I don't remember what it is. I think it's like it's like thirty thousand an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I go, you got to be kidding me! <laughs> my well is that's dream. a lot of chocolate. Yeah, well, you know, with the wrapper, and it all happens like in one machine. Everything comes together like all at the same time, and pop! You, you got a Tootsie Roll pop. Then the thing swings all over the place to dry out, and then you're good to go. And uh, they wrap it, and it's it's done. And uh, and how many other stuff they make? Something like six hundred thousand pieces of stuff a day. Between the, the candy bars and the pops and everything else, and like that's how much people eat worldwide, all in the one plan. I mean, it's, that's fascinating. That that's our America, I, I think, Brendan. I mean, that's been that's mm-hmm. been fantastic. When people can come yep. up with that kind of stuff, and uh, but they're pop pop tootsie pop pop. Yeah, I mean, but thirty thousand an hour. That's, that's, how do you even how do you even conceive of something like that? I mean, it's like, uh, but you know, it's it, I, I love it. I mean, when people can do stuff like that, I mean, that, that's fascinating to me. You know, the people who can even yeah. conceive of how that even would go together and and uh, and how all those things come. I mean, you know, I, some of the stuff is not is not that easy to do. And you look at Armin Hammer. I don't know if you ever read. Did you ever read the autobiography about Armin Hammer? No. It's the first, I wasn't all that interested in the Axi piece. The first two-thirds of the book, Brendan, you would love. It would talk about a period piece. But you know he made all, well, he made all his, Whatever part of life he was in, the, you know, in his first part of his life, you know, how he made all his money. Yeah. The pharmacy injury, selling tincture of ginger <laughs> during prohibition, which had which had an alcohol content of what, like forty percent or something. Mm-hmm. And they would sell that to the uh, uh, pharmacies, and you get a highball at the at the pharmacy soda fountain. They put ginger ale with the tincture of ginger, and you're good to go. <laughs> So he was making a fortune. He had like a, a big house in Greenwich Village, <laughs> but then he, that all that all went under, and he went to uh, Russia, and Russia couldn't did not have the te- technology to make pencils. Evidently, making pencils is a big deal. You know, having the little hole in the wood and putting the lead in there and stuff. I guess it's not. Yeah. Easy, I guess it's not easy to do. I would never have guessed that. I mean, you would have been using pencils since what age two or something, and, I, and yet evidently it's. Not not easy to do. So they they made like all mm-hmm. the pencils in Russia for like thirty years or something. The guy lived to wow, be that's like, incredible. Yeah, the guy lived to be like, a, and he also was into the uh, 
asbestos. Because evidently all the asbestos mines are all in uh, all in Russia. I, mean, I don't I don't think people really, asbestos is a mine product, and it that's that's where that's the nuts and bolts of this whole Johnson and Johnson thing with the talcum powder. Yeah, I mean it, uh, the tel- I, I had no idea until I read up on that case, Brennan, that the talcum is a mine product. You know, I didn't know that either, and I'm I'm vaguely familiar with the with the uh, ins and outs of that case and the and the charges. But I did not know the talcum was a, a mine product. Well, that, that's where... Chief, you're educating me so much today. Well, I mean, I, I was reading about the... Uh, you know, Evidently, they've taken the last talcum off the, off the uh, shelf worldwide this week. And that's why I... It, but there's nothing wrong with talcum. The problem is that the, when, you, when you mine talcum, it's usually found in the same area where there's asbestos. And the contamination comes in the mining. And if there is any, I'm not saying people are right or wrong in these cases... If there is any, it's because they failed to remove like one or two asbestos strands from the, t- uh, the talcum because it was the talcum mines are so close to the tel- to the asbestos mines, which I would never have guessed. But it has nothing to do with like them adding asbestos to the thing, like because they wanted to. It had to do with not you know finding one or two strands, which I guess asbestos is a strand, right? Uh, Sounds like an act of God to me that God is putting that so closely so that you can't distinguish it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing when you when you think of something. Well, but I remember asbestos is uh, you know, after they had the, some fires and you know here, I mean, there isn't a there wasn't a building in Chicago that wasn't loaded with asbestos, right? That's right. When you had it on your shingles, you had it on your brake pads, you had them everywhere, and uh, and, and also a lot of the clothing. You think about what the firemen used to wear. Yeah. And they were. Yeah, they were covered in asbestos because of the fire resistance. Just a, a crazy stuff. So what are you what are you what are you seeing? Uh, are we gonna? I don't. I'm, I'm looking for a rec- before I, I can see any improvement. I I like to see some kind of recognition recognition of where we are. And I I don't see it. Is everybody in denial or what? Uh, at which point? <laughs> well, I mean economically. I mean, we don't seem like we. I mean, I, I mean the decision right now for the Fed, despite all the other BS they throw out there. Is are we going to fight back this forty percent bulge we put in the place and bring mm-hmm. some of that down and try and drop the general level of pricing for regular people, or are we going to say they're just screwed and let's just hope over the next five or six years their salaries sort of keep up with it? That's a major policy decision, Brennan. And I don't hear anybody talking about it. Do you? Well, I don't either, and I think that's where <clears throat> I think that's where a lot of politics come in especially uh, given how close we are to the November election, that on the one side, everything is rosy, or at least getting rosier much faster than it really is. On the other side, it's doomsday scenario, and neither side is willing to, uh, to, to state the facts. That, um, you know, inflation, like all the economy, is uh, a wave coming out of shore. It ebbs and it flows, and, uh, but... It's all our side or your side. It's nothing in the middle, and we can't get together to to distinguish or find out what's really going on. And part of that is just fear-based, because if there's any recognition, it will be used by the other side politically. Uh, I am amazed, however, that there does seem to be some things that are getting through Congress, um, some of which uh, is surprising. I think that that's right now a political stumbling block it conflates and confuses things on the economic side as far as what can be or should be done with inflation. Well, I mean, I'll ask you, the two bills that just went through, chip the chip bill and whatever, 
this incredibly stupidly named anti-inflation spending bill, which is like, yeah, it's like you know the the pizza diet or something. It's like the same sort of same sort of stupid use of the language, but um, I don't see any discipline at all. I'll say on the part of the Democrats because they're the ones that are in there. There's no there's no question that they're going to demand that the Fed print more money to pay for these bills. It's not like they're saying we're going to tax or we're going to borrow 100% of the money we're spending. So the, uh-huh. they, they have not weaned themselves at all from the Fed creating money to pay for this stuff, which is really, I don't see any recognition at all that that's what got us in the inflation mess in the first place. I don't think any of these people, even, I mean, Joe Biden, for, for one, he used to argue against monetary theory when he was young. He was an idiot then on this, on this subject, not an idiot totally. I mean, he hasn't changed. He, he's thinking this is all okay. Just print stuff and uh-huh. spend it. I mean, it, don't somebody has to realize that that's where it all started. Do they, do, yeah. Does anybody? Haven't heard that yet. <clears throat> Not on the Democratic side. But it is interesting when you're looking at some of these. Um, you know, for example, is it necessary for some kind of climate regulation, uh, given where we are in the world right now and in the country, when you look at what's happening attributed to, uh, to climate change, with the fires, with the flooding and things. So do you start from the premise, just putting all costs aside, and, and hey, how Bre- you're going to raise the money? Brennan, how, uh, how about yes. we put that one on as our, as our topic to talk about next week, because that's, that's a big one. We got, okay. like, we got like five seconds. You have a good week, buddy. Uh, SP Futures down three, NASDAQ Futures down seven. Walmart's up four bucks, and we have uh, Home Depot is uh, they're only down 160 now, so it's coming back. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, we're back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down three. NSA Futures down eight. We were down quite a bit more when we came in, but we've, we've come back here. Again, the big earnings on the retail side. Walmart uh, beat. Uh, they claim their inventory is way up. Uh, people are are buying not only less per per visit, but they're also uh, shifting their their buying um, selection, shall we say? But they're still up four bucks. And uh, we've got Home Depot, which was down more, is is only down. Uh, where are we now? We're uh, not a buck eighty-six. It was down like four or five. So that much. I need. Uh, I mean, Walmart's good. Home Depot not so bad. So I guess that's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, we have SP futures down three. Nasdaq futures down seven. Dow futures down fourteen now only. So I'm feeling we got money coming to the market here. So I don't. I think every morning when we're down, at least for a while, is going to be a buy the dip. Uh, of course, having said that, it'll probably go back the other way today. But uh, Dax up eighty-three point six percent. FTSE. Up 48.6%, CAC around up 31.5%, so moderately bullish over in Europe, over in Asia. Nikkei, which was up huge yesterday, is down two today, so call that flat. Shanghai up one, call that flat. Uh, Hang Seng, however, back down under 19,000, down 210 points, down, it's a full percent, 19,830, which is down from 29,000 like a year ago. So they're, they're, they're down by a third still on the year, and, or on the calendar year. Uh, not good for those guys. Yesterday, Dow was up 151, S&P up 17, NASDAQ up 80, so oh, an update pretty much all day long. Uh, bonds uh, up one basis point, 2.80. The bond up two basis points, 0.92. The Japan down one basis point at 0.17. Oil, which is still under, well, it's up 39 cents, but still under 90 bucks. 89.80, Brent up 5 cents, 95.15. Natural gas up 27 cents, over 9 bucks now. Because this thing continues to be very volatile, and now it's back over 9, which is... I think the high might have been like 940, so we're pushing the high. Uh, our Bob uh, unchanged at 295. We've got gold down 650, 1791. Silver down 20 cents, 2007, as they continue to fly back and forth within a range. Uh, copper unchanged 262. We've got uh, Bitcoin down 263, 24,039, which would seem high, except they, they touched 25,000 this weekend. It came flying back down 1,000. And we have the US dollar versus the euro. Uh, the euro is down 36 uh, cents, so we're at 101.20. So the dollar's gotten stronger again. It's gotten back to, euro made it back to 103, and now it's back to 101. Eliani, what do you got for us, traffic weather sports, after all that stuff? I know, right? Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on 
August 16th. Let's look at last night's games. Talking about baseball, Cubs lost to the Nationals last night 5-4. Sox beat the Astros 4-2. And Diamondbacks lost to the Giants 6-1. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning and also this week, we have a beautiful week ahead. Uh, Currently very sunny, 67, with a high of 80, low of 66. And in Phoenix, uh, mostly clear skies, with currently sitting at 86 degrees, with a high of 105, low of 84. And there is an air quality alert. It is at a level yellow. So various cities and counties are asking people to please carpool today if you can, or if you don't have to go outside and you can work from home, please do that. Uh, Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Paulina, already stacking up pretty big this morning. We have traffic northbound on 294 between the I-88-290 ramp and Irving Park Road. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on 94 between 51st and West Division. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. And finally, traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? You sure do, Chief. How you doing on this Tuesday? Doing all right. Hey, before I start talking about something else, something else, uh, we have a listener or two that want to know all about your swing trading thing this Thursday. This Thursday from noon to 3 p.m., uh, the, the co-host on the pre-market prep show with me, Dennis Dick and I, and along with Rob Priest of Stock Odds, are going to be doing a three-hour swing trading event, uh, getting people to focus a little bit on a longer-term horizon and intraday trading, and good swing trades could, uh, could lead you to do a better long-term trades. Uh, a lot of the event-driven trading, going to do uh, a, um, a section on technical analysis. We're going to do things on actually hedging your positions in the market, intraday and also overnight. Go to premarketprep.com. Uh, you'll see it right there on the front page. And uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Dennis and I don't do much stuff intraday, uh, but this is going to be one of our first um, intraday events coming up. Uh, we're actually planning some more. So please go to premarketprep.com and uh, sign up. And uh, since your audience is so nice, you can use a discount code of PMPP10 for 10% off. So thanks for bringing that up, Chief. And, uh, boy, you know what? I, I wish I was an accountant at Walmart. Um, well, you'd have to live in Arkansas. Uh, well, that's true. I I just don't see, or, or maybe I wish I'm not an accountant. I don't see how you come out and you warn twice, and then you come out and beat. I, I I'm really at, I'm really at a loss for words in this price action at Walmart today. Um, I I mean I guess the street knew it because they bought the dip in it when the bad news came out. But you warn twice and then you come out and beat. I mean, why don't you just not say anything? Um, I guess I could say if I set the bar low enough, since I have, I, have, I have used white man's disease, if I put a piece of chalk on a line on a sidewalk and I vault over that, I guess I could say I'm a high jumper, right? I, I guess that's it. That's it. But uh, Walmart trading, trading up sharply, still kind of in no man's land, though, trading up five bucks at 137.60. That's going to help out the retail sector, of course. A lot of other retail stocks are trading up. And uh, just an overall market view, I mean, hey, Chief, we're back at 4,300. We haven't been here since late April, early May. Uh, We're pausing here, but I I think that if if the Bears are going to make a stand, um, 
this is where it's going to be at. This has been a, a, a great rally coming off the lows. Everyone talking about bear market, the bull market. No one can make up their mind. But um, I see a very important couple days uh, in the market leading up to the uh, August options expiration. We can hang in here, get through the early part of next week. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get in the new all-time high camp like some people. Uh, but this has been an impressive rally off the lows. I think, uh, Joel, dealing with a lot of retail people, I mean, well, not as many as I used to, but the people that, uh, you know, want me to manage money for them or don't or whatever, but the uh, the sentiment, what what the market has trained some of the populace to do is, in the last 12, 15 years, is really startling. I mean, when it's, when it's going up, the, the the cavalcade to pile in and, and willing to use every margin, every piece of margin that that you can on the way up, and then on the way down, you know when it gets to the bottom, people want out. It's it, it is really. I mean, right now it's it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, an asteroid could be coming at New York, and nobody cares. The market's going up. It becomes uh, it becomes an animal unto itself, and it and it's being defined as quote you know the economy on top of it. And I see the market and the economy going two totally separate directions, but that's just me. But this is this. Is, these are the cards we're being dealt. I mean, the last three days. I mean, I, you know, I use, you do too. But I watch this stuff by the minute. There hasn't been a downtick. There isn't a seller anyplace. And the S and P's are up seventeen, seventeen and a quarter, seventeen fifty. Back down to sixteen fifty. The next next print's eighteen because that was the dip, right? <laughs> down down like a buck. It's 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 absolutely relentless. And uh, and I mean, someday it will turn and maybe be relentless the other day. But right now, there is zero fear whatsoever. I mean, the same people. That well, are- I, mean, I, I think one thing uh, you know you alluded to there. Uh, maybe they don't have anything to sell. <laughs> maybe they didn't buy the dip there. Maybe everyone was waiting all oh, for the re. You know how many times that uh, you know been waiting for. A, I'm going to wait for a retest of the low. Um, in fact, um, a lot of the people that uh, you know, some of the guests that I have on this show, very very tentative. Let's wait for a retest of the low. And I've taken the position is I don't want to retest that low because you know if in fact we would have you know came back to that area, huh, I, I think we would have taken it out. So the more you distance yourself away from you know the lows and the move, the more the the market structure changes, and these guys are forced to try and buy on dips. And as far as selling, if they're underinvested, they can't sell what they have. So it's it's a it's a very tough market dynamic. Uh, a very uh, acute earnings season uh, that people weren't expecting. They were expecting much worse numbers. Um, they were satisfied with, uh, you know, the uh, the CPI data <clears throat> still at eight point five. That's extremely high, uh, but there just seems to be this uh, this, like you said, there's a euphoria that, that, that not only is the Fed tamed inflation. But, you know, we're going to start talking about lowering rates in 23. And I think that's really, really getting ahead of, get, you know, putting, you know, putting what the market statistics are giving you as opposed to reality. Well, I, I, I would totally agree. And I, you look at the, the, the market and it's, uh, we started, I was doing some numbers with the money supply and stuff. And on 12-30-2019, S&Ps were 322. Uh, and now they're they're uh, 428. So we're up roughly, say 35 percent in in, uh, in money supply minus productivity, 
and, and what's the market up? It's up 35%, right? I mean, it's, it's exactly, it's like an identity, Joel. I mean, it, it's a, uh, <laughs> you know, because the guy from uh, Walmart today, they said that the, that the their inventories blew up, right? But the, it doesn't, he said, but the 40% of the, the inventories, they got like, it's up like a billion dollars or something. He goes, but 40% of that is price increases. So we're not, we're not talking 0% in the last month like, like our fools in Washington. We're, he says the, the prices that they've paid are up 40%, which is exactly the number I have of what the money supply is up in the last uh, 28 months. I mean, that, that's, that's where your inflation is over that period of time. I mean, it, I think. I mean, uh, and these guys are like confirmers. Well, they probably, I haven't, I haven't dug down, but they probably <clears throat> discounted the heck out of stuff to get it off the shelves. So how many times... How many times can they do that uh, before it's going to have a negative impact on earnings? I mean, it's just it's it's, it's just an amazing uh, amazing turnaround uh, in such a short period of time for such a big stock. Um, and, you know, and, you know, if you're not skeptical, then you know you haven't been in the markets. Well, you say that though. It's it's a it's an amazing move for a big stock, and like uh, you and I, we're going to go back a ways, and we're going to say, yeah. But if it, but but you look at the at the the breeze blowing one way and the other out of the politics. Well, first of all, this is happening. It doesn't affect anybody more than these guys, right? I mean, whatever change in policy there is, all of a sudden they're gagging inventory, and all of a sudden they're not, and they're, they're selling stuff out, and then they're not. I mean, these guys. I, mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to manage a place like that in this topsy turvy <laughs> world we're in. I mean, can you? Yeah, that's just what I, I, I guess I should have said I don't want to be an accountant in Walmart. I, uh, but that, I mean, that's what the market's giving you of everything, you know, yeah. we've, we've learned over the years is, you know, you can't, you can't fight the tape. Uh, oh, yeah. Fighting the Fed right now, I guess, seems to be uh, in vogue now. Yeah, uh, it's hard but, to do. But uh, totally like I said, let's see, let's clear that 4,300, put it in the, uh, you know, put it in the rearview mirror. Uh, and then uh, maybe you could put me in that new all-time highs camp, and I'm sure everyone likes to see that going into midterm election. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, Joel, Chief, I just want to tell you, I'm out next week. I'll send you an email, okay. and uh, everyone go sign up for that event. Thanks All right, take care of yourself, bud. SP Futures down only three now, and NASDAQ Futures down 13. Be right back. This is Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. 
Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Hello, everybody. Back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. on the board. SP Futures down 375. NASA Futures down 14. Do we have Mr. Kenny? We do. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. We've had a, a rush of spectacular weather up here, although even though it looks like it's pretty clear to me, Eliani's got us not wanting to breathe today with some kind of a uh, air quality alert. But No, uh, that's in Arizona. I never said anything about Chicago. Oh, okay. Arizona. Yeah, well, those guys have had trouble. They've been nothing but rain and dust. and ew, they got issues. Yeah. However, they're out of their drought, though, I think. they got so much rain. Well, I mean, I mean, I suppose so. But, yeah, no, they, the air quality alert is not in Chicago. Okay. I, it, it, it is in Arizona. See, you're, at your age, you, you forgot about these air quality alerts. When I was your age, we had them all the time. But we had the, uh, <laughs> God, it was like, remember, remember the ozone stuff, Kenny? How awful yeah, that was? Yeah. God, you go jogging yep. in the middle of the day, you'd, you'd swear you just did yourself harm instead of good. It was awful. <laughs> um, anyway, so Kenny, what do you make all this with this massive rally? Does Walmart, they, they come out out peep to uh, tell everybody how lousy things are, and then they come out today and beat, and now the stock's up. It's uh, Wait a minute. Of course they did. Three weeks ago, they slashed and burned the estimate. They gave you all the bad news. If they came out tonight and didn't, I mean today, this morning, if they came out this morning and did not beat the reduced estimate, then that would have been a real problem. In fact, I think they beat him now by, was it 10%? I think the, yeah. the, 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 the earnings were 10% better than the estimate. Yes, they got slashed and burned. It's a joke. Well, what do you, what'd you make of the uh, the comments regarding how people are changing their their uh, they're staying away from the deli counter and they're heading to the tuna fish aisle and uh, well, pretty interesting. What does that speak to? It just speaks yeah. to the, the people being conservative, right? The deli counter can be expensive. You go and buy sliced roast beef or sliced honey glazed turkey or salami, and provolone, and, and uh, pepperoni, right? That that stuff can be expensive. But you go and buy tuna fish or chicken in a can to make you know chicken salad. Um, that speaks directly to the pressure that people are feeling in terms of prices and their, their wallet and how they're going to spend and allocate their money. So it, it's not necessarily surprising. Maybe it surprises, you know, Joe and Corinne Jean-Pierre and, and uh, Jacob Bernstein because they think we're in this robust economy and everything's great. Dude, wake up. Well, they, well no, you gotta, we got to wake down. you got to go see how the other half lives. What uh, did you make of the fact that he said the inventory level is, is huge and his comment right. was, it's not. It's not that we have that much inventory. The prices paid are forty percent higher than they were a couple of years ago. 
Right, but he tried to qualify that, if I heard it correctly, saying that a lot of that they planned for because they're getting ready for back to school and they're getting ready for Halloween and Thanksgiving and then Christmas, you know, so a lot of that, quote-unquote, he said, oh, no, 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 we planned for that. There's maybe a billion and a half or two billion, uh, that's, uh, I mean, uh, not a billion, a million and a half or two million uh, uh, more than maybe we wanted, but we're okay with that because we think we're going to be able to sell it. Well, that's what he said. That's but he also said. said he paid a lot more for it. But I hope they can sell it. Yeah, well, you know, he thinks he, he, well, now, he didn't seem to sound like he was concerned about it, but I suppose that could be him just, you know, playing poker, right? Maybe he's really concerned about it. What we're going to do is we're going to find out, you know, over the next couple of months when if, if you start to see these big Christmas sales in September, right? Because that's what you're going to see. Big Christmas sales in September at all these at all these retailers. Well, I think it, it's very difficult, and I, I'm trying to keep track of it a little bit, Kenny. And I'm getting very, very worried as I, as I see people's savings by this one number I look at, dropping really by yep. the week. The average savings per family in last quarter, yep. we saw the the amount of credit card debt. What was a, a record advance or something? It, right. What you end up with is, and, and I, I for one, I, I don't, I'm, I'm certainly not jealous of the job the guy has at Walmart. Because one of these days, yep. you have to figure out when are people going to reach the wall and say, right. that's it, nothing's more going on the credit card, and by the way, we don't have much in the way of savings. Well, I'll tell you, what, right. tell you what hit me huge the other day, and stuff that comes you know, comes in different directions. And it's, well, I love talking to you, Kenny, because you, you, you actually have both ears open, which you know maybe some people don't. I, uh, I, I saw that the, the average savings dropped to 8400 bucks per family in the country. And yeah. one of the ladies in the, uh, so we say the, uh, I won't say coffee shop, the Emporium downstairs, uh, her dog had emergency stomach surgery, and it was 11 yeah. grand. 11 grand. So surgery on your dog is higher now than the average sa- savings per family. I don't know what. Well, did, you, did you hear the story last week? I think it was last week they were talking about people that now have to make a choice between their pet and feeding their families and people that are, uh, choosing naturally to have to, you know, make those difficult choices and give their pets up because they can no longer afford it. Well, that's right. Well, God help you if you get sick. I actually had a friend of mine who, <clears throat> uh, over the pandemic, she had to move suddenly because she had a kind of like a falling out with her roommate. So she moved to Logan Square and she ended up getting this dog. And it was like, it was not good timing, but, you know, she, she got this dog. She fell in love with this dog. And for about a good, like, six to eight months she was eating ramen you know like you can get those like six packs for like a buck so that she can afford to get her dog the food that he needs so that he doesn't get sick so yeah so people have to you know compromise their what they eat and she's like she's she's a big like she's a she goes to the gym she eats really well she's like one of the most fit people i know she's actually helping me get back into shape from a car accident i was in a few years ago i'm trying to get back into you know the physical shape i used to be in so she's incredible she's i really admire her but yeah she had to do that and so this has been a pretty long withstanding thing (laughs) well the 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 hospitalization the vet stuff i was uh insane i was doing some stuff the other day kenny so expensive if, if somebody started out at Forty-one thousand. I'll give you a very short version. Without much time, you start at forty-one thousand, and let's say we have three years of inflation. Say it's under whatever it's undercounted, overcounted, whatever. At the end of three years, if you ended up with like fifteen percent raise or twenty percent raise, so now you nudge over the fifty thousand number. Not only did you jump from the twelve percent to twenty-two percent taxation level, 
you now have to like pay for your own insurance and not get help from the Obamacare, right? You, you, you just eviscerated that guy. <laughs> and he, and he, he actually thinks he got a raise. <laughs> you, you just buried the dude. It's like, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of that stuff going on, and I don't... Is anybody even looking at it? Does anybody care? Well, uh, you're going to have to stop. That's going to be the problem. Right now, you know, it doesn't appear, but suddenly they're going to have to just wait. Well, the... Uh, well, just real quick, uh, how, is, how is this this idea that these firms are all of a sudden going to have to start paying 15% tax on the stuff they publish, even if it doesn't doesn't match their tax books. How, how is that going to work? I don't think it's going to work, do you? I, I don't know how it's going to work. I'm, I'm amazed. Maybe all the new 87,000 IRS agents are going to somehow enforce it. I have no idea how it's going to work. Zero idea. So I mean, they, Maybe you know, they're going to have the technology to, 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 to figure out where it goes wrong, and, and they're going to start assessing tax based on based on what they find, you know, using technology. I don't know. It's crazy, right? Are they going to buy the old RFK stadium to put these IRS guys, or where are you going to put them? Where, where, do, where, do, you, where do you put, RF, do you put 87,000 people? I don't know, but you know, it's, but you know, it's interesting that, that the White House and everyone else gets up and tells us that, oh, don't worry, you know, these, these IRS agents are going after the billionaires who aren't paying their taxes, and by the way, have legions of lawyers and accountants to challenge anything. The CBO, right, the Congressional Budget Office, came out and said they expect $20 billion to be raised by the under $400,000 family household. So they're coming after, directly after the people they said they weren't coming after. When are we going to, without without winging bullets, because that's not my style, how do we put a stop to this, Kenny? Uh, you vote them out of office. You vote them out, you have to vote them out. You but, but I mean, you're going to get rid of you got to get rid of the extremes on the left and the right. Well, how do you, you do that? Extremes. Did you hear the latest one too? And you know, it was very curious what it was happening. The the the, 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 the Schumer Mansion tax and spend bill when uh, Schumer promised uh, Joey Mansion, oh, you'll get all the energy you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sign on the dotted line. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders and the progressive left were mum. And now that Joe Biden is ready to sign this thing today, suddenly the progressive left is saying, standing up, going, "No way are we voting for more energy." So. Joe Manchin got taken out to the woodshed and he gets spanked because it's not happening. So there you go. Well, I don't know, but if you, I don't notice there wasn't much difference in policy when the Trump people were in there. Well, but there wasn't much difference in policy, yet we were energy independent. We were the swing producer in the nation. Oil was much cheaper, right? Energy was much cheaper. Um, in, in that sense, it was different. Well, but you, you could. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I just, I, my dislike for both parties is growing exponentially by the day. Agreed. You, agreed. I'm with you on that. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm one or the other. I'm probably middle of the road, left, right on fiscal, left on social. That's right where like, I'm at. Around the middle. That's right where I'm at. I, but I mean, you, you, right. you could trace this if you wanted, and of course, the people on the right will be, you know, winging knives at me. If you wanted, you could trace this whole energy fiasco to uh, Trump telling the, the, the Saudis to. To start uh, to not print some or not not drill so much because they were they were taking out our our uh, fracking people, correct? Yeah, you could you could argue that. And uh, and all of a sudden, but I mean the the boom and bust cycle in the in the oil industry has been there for presidents ad infinitum to deal with. I mean the the, the current crisis started when oil prices got down to twenty eight dollars a barrel. And Cushing, Oklahoma, yep. was overflowing, and we had ships full of oil sitting outside of New Orleans and, and Biloxi. Correct? And that's when this all started. 
and then all of a sudden we go the other way, and then we, we go from 1,200 rigs to two-something or four-something, whatever it was, and then all of a sudden you got this worldwide crisis and it flies the other way. Well, you wonder how many times have you and I seen that in our lifetime? Ten? Yeah. Yeah. And it just wow. happened to fall on Trump the one way, and it happens to fall on this guy the other way. It could just right. it could just have been the opposite, right? I mean, neither, neither yep. president had the ability to deal with that industry to to stop it from happening. Do you think? No, I uh, no, uh, I agree. Uh, you know, listen, it, it it it's complicated. I'm not saying it's not complicated, but but you also have to open your eyes to see to see what we have, what we can do, how we can become more dependent, not only in energy. But you know, in technology, so you know, I happen to support like that chip still. I think it's I, I think it's about time because now look what's going to happen because we're so dependent on on China and Taiwan, right? That's a problem. It was a problem for a long time. So the same thing with energy, right? We become dependent on somebody else, or we could do it ourselves. Well, I have, I have real issues with those bills. Not that they're not, I won't say needed, but the fact that you're going to give all the money to the same four people that took the stuff overseas in the first place. Agree. And, and if you and I. Show up with you know we we raise through stacks and jacks we raise you know a hundred million dollars and we show up and say we want to get in the chip business business where's ours they're going to slam the door in both of our noses because we're not in the bill we didn't have our lobby it's not like we're opening this up for anybody who wants to be in that business right I mean that's a problem for me you know it's I don't I don't the idea that uh, you know these these four places get all this you know we're going to get we're going to give the White Sox all kinds of stuff for the Bears because they're in Chicago. But we're not going to give you know the Board of Trade uh, Visitors Gallery, which draws more people a year than the White Sox do. We're not going to give them a dime. I mean, all those decisions make it very difficult for me to to be on any of this stuff. Anyway, just right, but, that, but that's always the problem, right? right? Because it depends on who you're in bed with, and they seem to be in bed with all the same people. Well, that's right. We need a we need a lobbyist, Kenny. You and I. Hey, next week let's talk about hiring a lobbyist for us. Just, <laughs> why, just, why don't you and I go and take it on? Well, you know what? We could be good lobbyists. <laughs> Let's talk about that next week. It'd be fun. I I, I think you and I hanging around Washington together. I'd have a riot doing that. That'd be great. SP Futures yeah. down five. There's their futures down nineteen. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 
208-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rumpack Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 475. The NASA Futures down 17 and a quarter. We've been uh, down most of the morning, but we yeah, it's not down very much. We were up a lot more than this yesterday. Do we have uh, the professor? I'm here. How are you? Good morning. Buddy? How are you? How, how are things by you? Oh, man, it's the uh, start of the semester, so I'm uh, burning the midnight owl trying to get all my classes prepped. Well, you guys, you're no longer in a drought or almost out of the drought. You got that going for you. Oh, yeah. The uh, rain's been incredible here. I, it's not as bad as it is in Vegas, but uh, the green space in front of our house is nice and green again. <laughs> did you did you fill up the Salt Lake again or at least a little bit? Well, I think the thing about the Salt Lake is there's a freshwater side to it. They have, like, this dike system, I think, and... So when the water flows out of the mountains, mountain rivers into the Salt Lake, they flow in a freshwater area on the east side of the Salt Lake. And I think that freshwater side is probably a source of water for farmers and and water projects throughout the state. And so when you when the population grows, I think that freshwater side is being uh, drawn down. So there's less water to spill over the top into the Salt Lake. Ah. And I think the population grow, growth that we've experienced here in Utah is one of the contributing factors of why that's, the lake is a lot lower. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not saying this is uh, that I'm celebrating it, but you, know, you have these salt lakes in Nevada that are just salt beds now. Right. You have salt beds in southern Utah. So, I mean... I think over a long enough period of time, I think this is kind of what happens, right? Well, yeah, it probably does. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I was reading this. Uh, I don't, I'm not. I don't expect you're an expert on this thing either. On this this Voyager bankruptcy, uh, Voyager Digital. But I'm reading here this morning. It's pretty fat. An article by a lady by the name of Mackenzie Sigalos, S I G A L L O S, Sigalos, I guess. Uh, and it's pretty detailed here, and it's it, it's it's funny uh, I, I did some work years and years ago for uh, a lady who was running for 
treasurer for the state of Illinois, and we got a committee together, and we actually get a lot of this. Imagine doing this today. We actually put together a very serious booklet explaining what the treasurer does, what they currently do, and how our person was going to either leave things the same or change difference. But it was a, a very working, uh, essentially, paper on what she was going to do in office. And we dropped it off at all the newspaper people, and anybody wanted one, we got them one. And uh, I was in charge of the finance piece, which sounds like a big deal, but it really wasn't, because all, all a treasurer could really do was uh, invest in U.S. government stuff. So if you're the treasurer of Iowa and I'm the treasurer of Illinois, and we had a, a standing bet for uh, an adult beverage as to who did better, one year you're going you're gonna to lean into the two-year and five-year uh, and, and you're going to outpace me by you know, a hundredth of a percent and, and I buy you a drink and the next year you know, I lean into the one year and a five-year is seven-year and all of a sudden they go a little bit better. But it was, everybody was within a tenth or, t- or you know, maybe 20 basis points of each other except for two, two counties. One of them was, uh, who were the guys out in California? The guy that had all, made all the money? Uh, it was Harris County, Texas. And what was the name of the place in, in California? One under, what the hell was the name of that county? Right, right outside L.A., where the, where the guy all of a sudden didn't know anything, didn't know nothing about nothing. The guy was the treasurer of the county. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but those guys are making like 15 percent. Everybody else is making like five. And I'm thinking, okay, okay what are the, what are these two idiots doing that obviously aren't even in, on the chart whatsoever? So I, I pull up this article here about this Voyager place, and they've got this. All the people are complaining now that lost money. Which, first of all, you know, neither one of us want anybody to. So here's a lady named Magnolia, only only disclosing her first name, said she had over a million dollars trapped on the platform. Now, what the deal was, if you gave these guys money, your returns were way better than anywhere else because they were lending money to people to buy crypto. So when that all collapsed, uh, they were, I mean, Kenny Polkari, I think, told me he he gave money to one of these places, and he was making, uh, what was he making? 1% a month, which, you know, is way different than a bank or way different than anywhere else. And oh yeah, and they one percent a month. Yeah, and they were and they were charging the crypto people a tenth of a percent a day. So anyway, here's this lady's story. Magnolia, who only disclosed her first name, said she had over a million dollars trapped on the platform, including three hundred fifty thousand was earmarked to pay for college for her children. She said it had taken her twenty four years to save, and she had sacrificed spending time with her kids in order to build that nest egg. Okay, so yet I don't I don't care who you are if you got a million bucks. How do you not know that when everybody else is getting a tenth of one percent and you get a percent that somehow yours is more risky than theirs? How do you not know that? I'm not saying I want this lady to lose a dime or anything like that, but I mean, my first thought on this crypto, when, when all of a sudden people are margining it, who are, who's lending it to them? And, and, and what danger is there? Is that just me being an old Luddite or what? I mean, it, it's the first question you had to come in your, because when, when, you, when you go back to the, the tulip thing, there was no problem with tulips until they could, they found a way to margin tulip bar purchases, right? And as soon as they did, the yeah. place the thing came down. Why is this any different? I'm not, well, I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm just. Yeah. Well, I think uh, this uh, whole uh, space here. I think we've been talking about it all summer long, on and off. I mean, what is the what's the Fed doing? Well, I think one reason why. Uh, Elon Musk is having such trouble now. He he described it himself. He admitted to himself that his factories are uh, money furnaces. 
he's burning through the money, and I think what he's realizing is with credit going up in cost, uh, money being the money that the Fed was printing is a lot more scarce than it used to be. I think he's discovering the malinvestments in his operations. And that's what the Fed does. I mean, the Fed creates the situation where you, the, it, I mean, if the, if the Fed allowed interest rates to go negative, right, and it's got the federal funds rate set at negative three, somebody can win on that if they can lend to uh, billionaire investors at zero percent. They got a they got a three percentage point margin, uh, net interest margin, right? So the Fed lends its money out at an artificially low rate. There are investors, prime borrowers, borrowing at three percentage points higher. And Bank of America, if they're making those loans, for example, they're making three percentage points off that. So I think what the Fed is doing is creating these situations where you have these, what Austrian economists call malinvestments. And I think this is just one of many. People go out and borrow. I mean, they can borrow on their credit card to buy crypto, right? So you go out and borrow and you, at these low interest rates, and you put your money, this print money, if you will, into these kinds of things, and then we, we when, when interest rates start going up, because the Fed lowers interest rates, which I think is a tax cut for the rich, they lower interest rates, they had this credit boom, they print all this new money, eventually inflation's gonna start rising, and then they gotta do what? They gotta pull back, they gotta raise interest rates, all these uh, margin loans get called in, and, and people don't have the cash flow to cover it. And so you get the same stuff happening every time the Fed engages in this stuff, right? I just looked at the home price index. I mean, it just makes the 2006 bubble look like nothing. So I think the Fed has just created all kinds of malinvestments, overconsumption. And the chickens are, I mean, I mean, I think it's just a repeated thing. Over and over and over, we can't learn the lessons. I think the reason why we don't learn the lessons is because over the long run, the investor class wins on these trades. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's not just the investor class. It's, it's a new investor class. Yeah. Well, the people that use credit cards to buy crypto. Well, I mean, in, uh, in, in Illinois, the, 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 weird, the interesting part, I mean, I, I'm going to maybe draw uh, parallel here, but of course, Illinois is so crooked, it's hard to draw a parallel anywhere, hell. But uh, you look at the gambling industry in Illinois, and the guys who own the racetracks were very connected to, to some people. And all of a sudden, you know, that industry gets a little older, and all of a sudden, well, they don't have a cachet anymore. Where they have this huge piece of property where obviously they're into gambling but but now the new group wants casinos right well first they wanted off track betting which they gave to the, to the same people uh, in Illinois the, the, everybody who owned a track had to open up one and then two off track betting places so money never got spread around right then all of a sudden you got casinos but now the casinos were considered to be a, they're a direct competition to the <laughs> racetracks but now the racetrack yeah. can't have a slot machine you know, and why? Why when you got this massive edifice that for nine months a year stays, you know, essentially naked? I mean, nobody there because there's no horses. Why not? They have this huge grandstand, this huge bar area. Why can't they have a 
at least, you know, video poker machine. <clears throat> they couldn't. Even when other bars got to do it, they still couldn't. Because it's, it's, yeah. like, it's like a new class of uh, politicians be, being bought by a new class of people. But it strikes me, because I, I did the foolish thing, you know, and I would not recommend this to you. I actually went back, and some of the stuff's even off the Internet now, or I can't find it. I went through and really dug through the original resolution trust back in the, you know, the savings and loan crisis and stuff. It is just fascinating about how people had all this wealth and all of a sudden a whole new group, group of people got the old people's wealth at 20 cents on the buck. Same mm. thing sort of happened in 2007 and eight, right? I mean, how many people sold their yeah. houses for, and now it's, yeah. it, now it's going to happen again. In downtown Chicago here, there's going to be 40 buildings by the time all is said and done. Maybe that's too many, maybe 30. They're going to go, and the people who will lose all their equity in the current buildings, and somebody will buy them for 50 cents on the dollar, and somebody with a long enough time horizon that says 25 years from now, you know, downtown Chicago will be the cat's ass again, if it is, you know. But, I mean, it's, it, it's this constant evolution of new people getting other people's money. I mean, the day the Fed started this zero-interest rate stuff back in 2007, or they started learning that down, how you could possibly... I mean, I know, I know you want to flo- refloat the banks, right? That's their real job is to refloat the banks. How you could possibly drive interest rates down to damn near zero and not have a usury law in this country is a- astounding to me. If you don't, I'm not saying that I'm big on usury laws and those kinds of things, but if you're going give, to give money for free to people who are turning around and telling how, 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 how much good they're doing you and me, yet you're in my credit card or 24%, I'm not believing you much, Hal. I mean, I'm just. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Fed needed if if they thought that was going to be a a boon for the entire society, which lower interest rates are, by the way. You, you need to drive it down to every man. You can't just have that for a few. And they, and the guy t- takes your money. I actually did a study. Uh, how was it, in 2020? This is 2000, uh, 2010, 2020, as we were doing the zero, zero interest rate gig. That interest rates, uh, credit card rates, actually had gone up in that decade. How can that even be? <laughs> I mean, a little bit, a little bit, not much, but they yeah. sure as hell didn't go down. It wasn't like you and I could get a could go to the bank and get a credit card for six percent when the bank was getting their stuff. Yeah, zero. I, th- I think I think the uh, that credit card interest, though, I think a lot of people were being added to the rolls. So it'd be interesting to see what the number of people holding credit cards did during that time period, because if there's a bunch of new people who previously wouldn't have been qualified for a credit card, if all of a sudden they're in this system, that average is going to lift. But for established credit card holders or the traditional credit card holder, maybe their interest rate average fell a little bit. So there's a, there might be a deception in the averages here, right? Because if you really increase the, the size that you're dividing uh, by, and that new clump of people is not very credit worthy it's going to drive the average up so i'd be interested to see what the population of credit card holders looks like because if you're just adding people to the credit card rolls because you want to make loans in a period of zero interest your net interest margins are going to be massive if you can just increase the number of you know say subprime borrowers right maybe subprime borrowers in a previous decade didn't get a credit card but now they get a credit card, and it's just the way the banks can uh, win off this idea of the Fed having zero percent interest. Well, because if they can get these new credit card borrowers 
subprime borrowers in with a credit card, they're going to have this huge interest margin, right? I'm on that. I'm, but I'm saying if if you're, you're sort of alluding to the fact, you're saying that somebody with a 800 credit rating that's never missed a payment in 40 years could walk in and get a credit card for 6%. That was never possible, I don't think. Well, I think my credit card interest rate, I've had, it started out as a fleet credit card. I got it in 2000 when I was um, uh, a graduate student, and my interest rate's been pretty low. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at probably 7 to 8. You had a green. You had a over. One, I have one of those too, but it was. I, like, I had it. I've had it for twenty five years, and I'm grandfathered in. If I ever, if I ever tried to use yeah. it, who knows where I'm? What they goose it to? Got help. Now, now I think Bank of America. I think it was sold to Bank of America. So, uh, but I started out with that fleet credit card, and I'm. It, it, I think Bank of America purchased it out or bought it out, and I I, that was like a while ago too. So I had a hundred fifty. My, my credit card rating. My credit card interest rate is pretty low relative to. I'm going to say I think if, most people. If, if if an asteroid hit you on the head today, they'd celebrate. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, I bet you've got people. People I bet, say that a lot. I bet, Just saying. I, I bet if you got it, if because I my U.S. thing, they send me all these other cards, and they uh-huh. say, well, okay. Here's our new card where you're going to get like 2% cash back for gasoline or some goddamn thing. And, uh, and uh, when I look in there, the interest rate's 18%. So they want me to yeah, switch over. Well, the cash back isn't a good deal for you. It's a good deal, deal for them. Well, I mean, you do get stuff back. I mean. Yeah, but when you're paying 18%, though, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean you don't have to keep a balance. It's not a good deal for you. It's good for them. Well, the thing is, most people, they don't care what the rate is because they never intend yeah. to hold a balance. As soon as something bad happens, they never intend to hold that balance, right? So that's what gets them in. They go, "Well, I'm not going to hold a balance," but then all of a sudden they they go through self unemployment, and now they get this massive balance because they got to somehow cover uh, their their budget, right? Well, I, I, they're I, using a credit card to do that. I've I've read that uh, a real high percentage of people that have, I mean, there's always going to be people that just, you know, I need the living room furniture. I'll just buy it all now and I'll pay it off. That type of thing, but. Uh, I think a lot of the bankruptcies, credit card bankruptcies, the biggest chunks of money on there are an emergency room visit or something like that, and when they have a you know thirteen thousand dollar deductible on their credit card, on their hospitalization, all of a sudden that goes on the credit card. And now, yeah, I mean because most most people, I mean, as much as people can point fingers, everybody say they're all irresponsible. I really don't think people who can't afford it run up to fifteen. I'm sure there are, but the most people I think are not. Running up credit card balances just just to be doing it. I mean, I, I could be wrong there, I guess, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think most people. Well, are you know, things from. change when the economy kind of sinks into recession, and uh, you know, you're working two jobs, and uh, inflation's rising, and that credit card. Uh, if you look at credit card debt, it's on the rise. It's on the rise, and huge. I think that's what happens, right? Well, I mean, you you might you may have signed up to use this credit card. And any balance at the end of the month is paid off, but in a situation like we're in right now, I think people are having difficulty paying that off at the end of the month. Well, you're and the, uh, as it, as the inflation gets worse and the prices prices get locked in at higher and higher levels, um, it's just going to exasperate it. Well, I, I look at this thing. I won't say every day because I don't want to aggravate myself. But on this U.S. debt clock, there's a savings per family. And on Friday, I was telling people it was down under eighty five hundred. Well, today. It's eighty three sixty eight, so it's down another hundred bucks. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just sinking. It's sinking yeah. like a wreck. Like in the same last quarter, was the biggest quarter ever increase in person in uh, credit card debt, right? So my question is, this is happening. Savings are going down and credit cards are going up. When when does when does that stop and people say I'm just not buying anything? I mean, there, there's got to be a day here where where uh, uh, people say this isn't working. I mean, uh, well, I think wh- you're seeing that. I, I mean, I think last last week I, I uh, before the show I tweeted about uh, Walmart's um, quarter two sales. They reported six. It was up six percent from the last year, last quarter, due uh, to the previous years. It was up six percent, but if inflation's nine percent, it's actually down in real terms three percentage right. points, right? Right. So I think when you go to Walmart, you're not buying those wants anymore because the needs are costing you so much. So you're you're buying the same amount of needs, and because the prices are so high, you're buying a lot fewer wants. Well, they're doing, and I think that that right there, combined with the fact that savings is down and credit card use is up, means it's really it's really hard for people at or below the median household income. Well, the dude this morning the, said people are walking by the deli to the tuna fish aisle. The deli sales are down, and they're like canned canned chicken mm. and canned tuna salad are up. Or tuna fish, you got to make your own salad. Well, I, I tweeted last night about Starbucks. Apparently, Starbucks is in favor of uh, mail-in voting for voters in state, local, and federal elections. But when it comes to their employees unionizing, they're fighting the um, National Labor Relations Board over mail-in voting for unionization. And I said, uh, you know, that's not hypocritical, right? And I go, you know, now conservatives and progressives both have a reason to boycott Starbucks. And then I, you know, I followed off with the disclaimer that I don't buy Starbucks because it's just too expensive. I can make it at home for a lot less, man. I can brew it over a lot less. I I don't drink coffee with cream and sugar in it. I drink black coffee with no sugar. Well, I went to the the Dunkin' Donuts near me. It used to have... I've been there, yeah. I remember seeing you when I was in Chicago, what, three years ago? Yeah. I was in Chicago and I was at the Dunkin' Donuts that you go to. Well, you know, we <laughs> before I came up to your office, we have not been there in two years because they open at six o'clock now since the self loop. Oh man! Well, yeah, because of labor shortages, right? Well, no, they just the, the cost train, of labor. There were no trains getting here at that hour because the trading floors are all closed. Oh yeah, okay. Well, but there's one by my house. When I have workers over, I always always go get the guys coffee and donuts. Well, they used to have uh, like the sandwiches and they're the little wraps for. You know, two for two bucks, two for, and a little bit bigger ones, two for three bucks if you could meet in there, and then it's two for. Well, they stopped all that stuff, so I go in, I get two large coffees and uh, and two donuts. Guess how much? Probably fifteen, I think, maybe ten to fifteen dollars. Well, was eleven, but the, the, their donuts aren't eleven. Uh, the donuts are now about as small as you can get. Plus, they don't they don't make cake. <laughs> they don't make cake donuts. You can't get a cake donut. You can't Have you get, seen a Domino's pizza lately? A Domino's medium pizza. The freaking oh. box is tiny, man. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, I mean, there's a, some pretty good pizza places out by Audrey's in Ireland because all the ones from the city have moved out that way as the city is kind of emptied out in some areas. And uh, you you can spend 30 bucks for pizza. Oh, yeah. We get three mediums. Okay. And we spend, uh, and we get that, that deal, right? And I like a little extra topping, so I think we end up spending like 25 for three mediums here in Utah. And the medium, <laughs> the medium is like a personal pan pizza now. 
Yeah. Well, the, 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 uh, there's places that deliver in a South Loop here. And every on Tuesday, once in a while, I get an email saying, like, Tuesday's discount pizza day or something. There's no place around here to really go get lunch. So I go, hey, let's get these, let's have these idiots, you know, show up with some pizza. So uh, it was like, I don't know what it was, with uh, three pizzas, three medium, or it was two pizzas for uh, like 27 bucks, which still wasn't really all that cheap. But by the time the guy delivered it and taxed and everything else, I think we gave the guy a tip, it was like 45 or something. <laughs> 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 like, like, okay then. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, I, don't, I, don't know how you, I don't know how people, uh, but I, and I understand the, the deal. Uh, matter of fact, the guy, boy, I told you this once. The, the, I, I was signed on to this. They had the president of White Castle, of all places, and CNBC maybe, he had to be three years ago. And he said, they asked him, what was the, what was the biggest danger in the business? And he said, he goes, the danger is the spread between what we charge people to eat and any restaurant does now versus what you can make it at home. That spread has never been bigger, and to, mm. and to the point where we're, we're we're sitting there going. I mean, you can see it at breakfast. I mean, you can't find you can find an omelet less than thirteen bucks. You know, knock yourself out. But a family of four, no, you're talking fifty some dollars. Coffee is two bucks a piece. That's another whatever. I mean, you know, seventy five dollars is is a lot for breakfast for four people. I mean, when, you know, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you can buy a lot of eggs for that. And, but that's what. The, the, I mean, most places that I go to, because I'm in on this because one of my guys at Pullman went into a, a ready froze division, Scott Ladd, where he knew all about restaurants, and he'd always tell me about the cost. I think if you look at most restaurants, hell, next time you go, everything you have now, they're up they're up to five to one in terms <laughs> of if you, wow. sit, if you sit there and go, okay, what is it? It probably cost me four bucks for this plate of pasta. It's going to be 22 or $21. Anyway, SP futures down four, and as if he's down nine seventy-five, be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. 
Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 775. Nasdaq Futures down 30. And we've been down all morning, but just a little bit. And same way right now. Dow Futures down 9 uh, with the big movers in the Dow. We've got... Home Depot down two because they they beat on earnings and we had Walmart beat on earnings but they're up almost six bucks they're up uh, where are we here Walmart is up five forty at one thirty eight so then that's in the retail area Walmart is up three percent over in Europe we've got uh, reasonable to the upside Dax up sixty six point five percent FTSE up forty nine point seven percent Kick around uh, uh, Dragon here only up eight that's point one percent or in Asia we've got Nikkei, which was up huge yesterday, is down two today, but it's unchanged, so it's not any kind of reversal. Shanghai up 180, call that flat. Hang Seng down 210 again, though. It's another 1%, 19,830, so they're still under this uh, 20,000 number. They've been for a few days. Yesterday we were up uh, 151 in the Dow, 16 in the S&P, and 80 in the NASDAQ. Bonds, Connecticut, well, they're up three basis points, 2.82 is a 10-year rate. The blend up uh, six basis points, 0.96, trying to get back over 1%. And we've got the Japan just languishing here at 0.17. Oil up 89 cents, 90.30, back up over 90. That's a percentage move. Uh, Brent up 61 cents, 95.71. Natural gas up 34 cents, 907. Now, as this thing continues to be very volatile. Arbob uh, unchanged at 295. We've got gold down 8 bucks at 1790. Silver down 25 cents, 2001. Copper unchanged 361. We've got Bitcoin down 397, so that's not much. 24,037 hanging above 24,000. We have the U.S. dollar uh, is actually up a little today. Well, let me get my graph out of the way of this thing. Uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, the euro is down 24 basis points, so we're at uh, dollars up a little bit. So 101 euro to the dollar. Eliane, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. Thanks, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on August 16th. Let's actually look at last night's baseball games. Cubs lost to the Nationals 5-4. White Sox beat the Astros 4-2. And the Diamondbacks lost to the Giants 6-1, looking at weather in Chicago this morning. Really beautiful day, mostly sunny, currently sitting at 68 degrees with a high of 80 and a low of 67. Weather in Phoenix this morning, clear skies, 85 with a high of 105 and a low of 84. There is an air quality alert. It is at a level yellow. So various cities and counties are suggesting that people carpool today or if you don't have to leave the house to go to work and you can work from home, please do that. 
And looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we got traffic all over. So let's get into it. We got traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. We have traffic westbound on 290 between Western and 17th. Intermittent traffic northbound on the Tri-State 294, um, <coughs> excuse me, between West 127th and the ramp that takes you onto the Stevenson and also between the I-88 290 ramp to Irving Park Road. We have traffic eastbound 94 between Tui and Canalport and westbound between East 130th and Tui. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the Displains Oasis and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and Cumberland. We got traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the 94 East Ramp and southbound between South Damon and South Central. Traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. And we got traffic uh, northbound on Lakeshore between the uh, ramp that takes you onto the Stevenson and East Grand and southbound between Michigan and East Roosevelt. Hooey! Back to you, Chief. Yeah, Professor, yeah, the uh, um, one of my buddies actually was on the show a couple times with us, so Restaurant Al. Italian place. Do we still have Hal? you with us or we cut you off? Mm, I think we lost him. I think you dropped the call. Go ahead and call him yeah. back. Um, well, the uh, restaurant Al who was on the show was telling me that the no, he didn't, there was no like, steak or anything in his place. I mean, big steaks. They had something, I'm sure. But so the, the lowest profit item in, on his place was the linguine with clam sauce because they actually used some real clams they put on top. So it cost him $4.50 for that plate, and they only charged twenty two fifty. Everything else had been a higher, higher uh, profit margin than that, but the overhead is just dramatic in all these places. I mean, everywhere—hospitals, veterinarians, you name it—the overhead just is just. I mean, you go in, you know, a doctor will sew like two stitches or something if you cut yourself. Well, you're paying the guy. Let's say you're paying him or a lady, two hundred grand a year, and they spend like an hour with you. Well, um, how we're talking about uh, overhead is like killing the system, and how restaurants. It's, it's all in overhead. It's none of it's in. I mean, I, Audrey and I went out Saturday to a place in Orland. It was a nice place, and uh, uh, you know, a little, little higher higher level than I usually like. But anyway, um, Audrey was all fired up to go someplace nice, so we do what we do. And I had uh, actually it was really good. I had a, a blackened, uh, uh, not sea bass, something else. It was blackened walleye, and it was delicious. And they did a really nice job. And I'm thinking, it was thirty two bucks. I'm thinking the walleye cost them six, you know, and the potato cost them, you know, twenty-five cents. They they were, they were solid. <laughs> you know, they were solid seven five to one on, which is about every place you go now. Keep that in, in the back of your mind. That's that's what the number is. The number used to yeah. be four. It used to be three. Way back in the day, it was like two and a half. But now the overhead is so huge in everything we do. I was saying if we, you know, if you all of a sudden. You know, are, are out there, you know, cutting down bushes, and you cut your finger, and you went for three stitches. The person who's sewing it up, it takes them a half hour, and the person helping them. So let's say an hour, and if he or she that's doing the sewing is making two hundred grand a year, which they're not, I'm sure, and the person helping is making a hundred. Well, that's how many hours are, are, are in a year? I mean, it's a uh, two thousand and eighty, right? So uh, that person is you. You may get them for an hour. So that's a thousand bucks. The person they're working with them, it's uh, five hundred bucks. I'm going to say the the tab is going to be eight grand. The overhead rate's going to be like four to one. You know, for the people that work in the place, the administration, the building, God knows what else. And uh, I don't, I don't see how we, I don't see how we survive at those numbers. You know, I, I just don't. I mean, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that you, it's kind of funny that you when you go out to dinner, that's what you're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, Most people probably just. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but but I mean, you look at I do the same thing, Tom. I do the same thing. My wife doesn't, but I do. <laughs> well, you know, the, the weird part about I I, I always have uh, you know shot, shots in your life where you remember this stuff, and uh, we, we 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 had a guy. We had we had a guy. We used to trade for me, and then he uh, when trading got slower. He uh, on floor trading anyway got slower. He became he was a, he was a educated guy. He ended up being the uh, controller of like Ticketmaster or one of those places. That ended up getting bought by somebody. So he, he, we used to get the Skybox at Wrigley or at Sox Park, I mean, the old Sox Park, not even the new one. And uh, and he'd say, hey, nobody's using it for the 305 game. Why don't you guys go on up there and use it? So, we, of course, we'd dash up there and grab the Skybox. Right? Well, there's nothing in there because nobody owned it. It wasn't like you're in my Skybox where there's booze from the last time and beer from the last time because it's our place and it's pretty well stocked and you just order the food, right? Well, they charge you the same price. As as for the, like a beer in there as it was in the rest of the stadium because they wanted to allegedly to be fair, right? And so this, this is how it, how it strikes you. So I order up a case of beer and we, you know and, uh, and some hot dogs. So the guy walks up and he hands me a case of Miller Light, and he goes, "Well, at that time the price of beer in the stadium was the then unheard of price of five dollars a can, right?" <clears throat> so the, so the dude goes, "Well, that'll be a hundred and twenty bucks," and I go, "Aren't you at least gonna put it in the fridge?" Nah. <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> so then, then he hands me a, a thing of ballpark franks and, a, and some buns and, like, the, the mustard tray. Here you go. That's 40 bucks. <laughs> but I'm doing it myself. I had, I had, we had, I had to turn the steam around. I'm thinking, well, you're paying for the opportunity to cook those hot dogs yeah, at the ball game. But it, at least when, when the guy comes by and he hands you a beer and pours it for you, it doesn't feel so bad to give the guy five bucks. Well, now it's 12 bucks. But, but the guy hands you the case and goes, well, that'll be 120 and I'm, what do, you, what do you mean? <laughs> it just—it just, it just there's nothing left over for a tip. Yeah, yeah, there's not a whole lot left over for a tip. Like you know, so you know that that kind of stuff happens. And you realize that the you know the actual markup that you're getting, and maybe it's worth it. Maybe it is if you're seeing a kind of whatever who knows. But I mean, it's really something. And we're seeing this this kind of massive overhead, and in, in, in certainly in hospitalization, and any kind of in restaurants. I mean, I you know it's it's and, and I think a lot of people are having trouble paying that. I mean, uh, just saying. I mean, the the, the uh, and I don't know. I don't know when it's going to hit the fan because the 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 Fed can say, and here's what I'm trying to get to because you're the professor. The Fed can say that they're cutting back on this growth, and they're and they're trying to fight inflation. But we just passed two bills that are that are going to be you know multi multi billion dollar bills. They're they're not going to tax almost uh, almost a trillion. Yeah, so they're not going to tax yeah. for these for these bills. They're not going to borrow that kind of money. What what what's the number? What's the implied number that they expect? Either having asked them or just expect. What do you, what do they what do you think that out of those bills, what percentage do you think that they expect the Fed to contribute with printed money? It's not going to be zero. I mean, how, I mean, how does the how does the Fed even if they're they really want to do what they plan on doing, which is, which is leaving you know essentially stopping inflation growth. Right? I don't hear any 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 sense at all that they want to back off on the bubble they already created. I don't know if you heard that. I have not. But I'm saying, even going forward, they're not about to turn around and say to Joe Biden or whoever the next president is, "Hey, buddy, I'm not. You just passed a trillion dollar bill. You and Congress. I can't imagine this guy having the balls to stand up and say, uh, in his next press conference, I just told the president, I told Congress." They got two bills in the hopper. 
That's not my business. You knock him off, but I'm not helping you. I don't. I don't see this guy saying that at all. Do you? I don't. And before I went on the show, I was watching uh, uh, Maria Bartolome's show on Fox Business Network. Or yeah, the Business Network. And they're talking about how uh, this guy Powell is. Is he at Bur- or is he Burns or is he uh, is he Volker? And I'm like thinking to myself, he's neither. Because if you look at total purchases of securities by the Fed. It, it looks like it peaked out um, in, like, end of spring, yeah. April, May, right? Yeah. And it's coming down a little bit, but it just went back up right. a tiny percentage point, right? But if you look at it over, if you look at it over a longer time horizon, <laughs> it doesn't look like the Fed is being Volcker. No. It I mean, this guy's making Burns look like Volcker. Yeah. If you look at total purchases. Well, I mean, you're, this whole year, if if you were some dude sitting on if there's a if there's a place out there in space where they can listen to what we're doing, God help us. Uh, I mean, with all, with all with the millions and millions of words about how much these guys are cutting back and how amazingly restrictive they're being and all this stuff, in the six months of this year, we're the balance sheet's bigger than it was the beginning of the year. We've been talking about it for a year and a half. It's not even down on the year. It's down in the last couple of months, yeah, but it's it's not uh, it's not down on the year, is it? How's that for a big fight? Yeah, total securities purchased by the Fed a year ago was about five point three trillion. Yeah, and it's at five point seven, more than five point seven, five point seven plus. Well, and we're, we're so it's just added to it's just added to the amount of securities it owns. All right, so we're, 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 where are we? We're, uh, let's get to January, uh, say, December 28th, 2020. Okay, so we're, no, it's 2020. Let's get to 2021 20, here. We're going to get to, uh, I can I can do January, December 27th, 2021. We're at $8,757,000 on the balance sheet. On the total balance sheet, yeah, right, and, yeah. And now we're 8899000 so we're, we're up on the year, and and, yeah. and I'm saying those who watch that includes more that includes yeah. like things like mortgage backed securities. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at just treasuries, right? That's all I'm looking at. Okay, but I, what I'm saying is, if if, yeah. if you would have been listening of the drone on and on about how bad we're cutting, you would never guess that number is up in the last eight months. No, yeah, it's up eight uh, percent just in terms of securities over the year. Right, and we went from. Uh, I, I don't see them being restrictive at all. We went from four trillion in October or November of 2019 to uh, we topped out at. We didn't quite make nine. We made nine eight nine fifty four was the tippy top, right? We did that yeah. in like in what eighteen months, and now we've taken eight months to go nowhere. And yet, if you talk to people, the entire conversation is how strict these guys are being. In whose mind, Hal? Yeah, they're not being strict at all. I no. mean. It, the federal funds rate is still what about two, two and a, two and a half, something like that. I three. I think it went from uh, we went from uh, zero or point two five to point seven five on the fifty cent rise. Then we did a seventy fiver, which got us to one and a half, <laughs> and another seventy fiver. I think we're two and a quarter. Is that? What, I think. Yeah, that's right. and the inflation rate is eight ten percent. I'm going to say the inflation. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're being restricted at all. Well, if you if if somebody asked you to come to the 
Oval Office and I were to say, okay, now, uh, we've got a little table there and we've got all our economists. We've got you and we've got Russell and uh, the guys that are real economists, not like me, the half-assed economists. Um, and sit you down and say, all right, we've, we've, we've ballooned, we've bulged our money supply and we've bulged our, our inflation. I'm, I'm coming up with a number of 35% over the two and a half years. I look at the money supply growth and I look at what I think maybe yeah, maybe some kind I'd of I'd agree growth. with that. So yeah, maybe forty. I was gonna say thirty five to forty, depending yeah. on how much you think there's yeah. growth in there. And now you know, and some of it has not worked its way through the system yet. I mean none none of the stuff on housing or anything like that has worked its way into the CPI. And the stuff on hospitalization never will because they they perpetually lie on there. But, but let's just say it's up forty. Now we can do one of two things if we want to bring things into control. We can either say, all right, we're, we're flattening everything out right now. No more increase in the balance sheet. No more uh, pumping money into the system. We're going to go back to a, a 2% rise in the money supply or that kind of thing, or 1% or 3 somewhere in there. And we're just going to go stone-cold neutral right now. That's, that's choice number one. Or we can say, somebody else is going to say, wait a minute, we can't, we can't do that because 80%, 70% of your population cannot deal with these new, this new price level. You can't have a price of a of a car more than the median price of somebody's salary. You can't have, you know, a, a, the median price of a house now 12 times or 11 times the price of somebody's salary. We're going to have to we're going to have to pull this back. We're going to have to we're going to take this 35% bulge and we got to at least get it back towards 20% before we can go onward. Those are two very serious choices going forward. I'm not so sure which one I'd pick. And I don't think anybody in Washington is even having this discussion because that is the discussion, right? Do, do we let... Well, well, they're fine. These decision makers, are they're fine. They don't really notice it. I don't think they notice it at all. I think they live in their bubble and they, they think everything's great. I think they honestly think everything's great and everybody else is just whining. I, I don't think they care. And it's not a Democrat-Republican thing. It's a federal bureaucracy thing. It's a Democrat, Republican, politician, federal bureaucracy thing. I think they think things are actually fine. Well, and, I also, and in business, I don't, if, I don't, if you if you benefited from the government largesse, or you can raise prices if you're Kimberly Clark and people are going to buy toilet paper no matter what, you, you don't feel it either. But, but I'm saying on a, on a theoretical level, seeing as you are a professor, if all that was stripped away, you could actually educate all these people and let them know, hey, Joe, you're doing so hot. Uh, and he actually gave a rat's behind about Joe. Question: What would you do here after the massive mistake? In yeah. my mind, is would you just let it go on from here and, and try and let people catch up, or would you feel that you made such a bulge that you got you got to cut back on it to where you actually have negative growth for money supply and actually try and drive the price level down a little bit? I I don't know what I'd pick. Uh, I really don't. Well, right now, what I, what I would what I would do is I would uh, I wouldn't last very long in that room because what I would say is, look, we're gonna. We're, we're going to change the mandate of the Fed. We're not going to worry about unemployment anymore. We're not going to worry about GDP growth. We're not going to worry about the, the measured price level, the CPI. We're not wor- worried about any of that. All we're going to do is we're going to tell people, look, the mandate has changed, and the M2 growth rate is in this range of 2 to 3% period. That's it. That would probably flush a lot of those inflation expectations out the door. If everybody knew the Fed was going to print just two percent, and, and watch the M two growth rate, and just it's going to be between two and three percent, and that's all the Fed's doing. Nothing else. No more raising and lowering the federal funds rate um, to try to get to juice 
the economy, um, none of that. Just we're going to grow it at two percent. Boom! Right there, you destroy all those inflation expectations, right? Why would you? Uh, why would you just change the mandate? Other, other than hanging in a beautiful place like Utah in the ivory tower, which I would never accuse you of, but say I did. Other than being there, what what possibly would think you to believe that the original mandate that these guys care about? That's nowhere near their mandate now. Well, I think their mandate, I think their mandate is, I think these people want to be liked by Wall Street. I think they want to be liked by bankers. I think they want to be liked by the elites. I think they want to be liked by the, the vast majority of economists who are mainstream. And so, every, for some reason, everybody thinks the Fed holding interest rates zero percent. And then when they created all this inflation, jack up uh, interest rates to cause a recession, high unemployment, is somehow a good thing. And I just don't agree with that. I think the Fed's got to set M2 and just walk away, no more up and down, just grow it at two percent. And then we got to restore federalism let Idaho be Idaho, let New York be New York, and let California be California. And the Fed is not going to finance these budget deficits anymore. We gotta, we gotta, we can't lift that um, debt ceiling anymore. Make these guys live within a budget, and then unrestrain the economy. Right now, the, there are so many restraints on the economy. You're, you're, you're basically putting an oak tree in a bonsai tree pot. Yeah. And what you have to do is break that pot. And you got to unrestrain it. And when you unrestrain it, prices will come down. Right. So that's but, what I would do. But you, but you can't, you can't. Well, you the litany you just described. By the way, I agree with all of it. Okay, we don't even know that's bad radio. I agree with all of it. But it, it's sort of like zero-based budgeting. If we had the discipline that we could actually do zero-based budgeting, we wouldn't need zero-based budgeting. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the the problem we have is the Fed's going to accommodate. The politicians and their deficits. That's the problem, right? right That's gonna, one of the big problems right there. I'm going to challenge. So that gives the, the that gives the politicians a license to right. blow the debt up and the deficits, right? right I'm going I'm to challenge you right now. I'm going to say the current Fed real. What do they call them? The whisper number on the on the on the and the uh, earnings. I'm going to say the the whisper numbers on what the Fed's mandate is to keep interest rates artificially low because the government's broken; they can't afford to pay it. And to keep yeah. asset keep asset prices uh, as high as we possibly can, because those are the one percenters in the country own most of it. And by the way, those are the people yep. that hire us. And the third one is keep the banks ridiculously with so much money there that they can't afford. They, even if they totally mess up again, it won't come down on us because they had so much cash they can absorb it. I think those are the three new yeah. things. I mean, am I, am and I all of that, and all of that is the reason why we're in the situation we are. Correct. And it's just going to get worse if they don't change it. But but the idea that that you would expect, I mean, the guy would have to you know fall off a cliff tomorrow. I'm talking about Jerome Powell, and, and and popping back in his place would have to be like George Washington or Solomon or Lincoln to have those kind of stones. The, and yeah. that that person's never going to get that job anymore. Those, there's never going to be never. A They'll be asked to leave. Yeah, the, the, they, the, might, they might be thrown to they might be flown to uh, an undisclosed location in Afghanistan and left there for a a nice. Extended vacation. I mean, can you imagine Joe Biden or Trump in the White House, or, or even you know the Republicans are all over? I mean, Trump. I, I honestly think 
I, I mean, I might be slightly wrong here. I think the reason why the man, much as I can't stand the guy, uh, I, I, the reason why the man did not get elected is because the Republicans stiffed everybody on the two thousand dollar check and made it six hundred bucks. And when Biden was yeah. was in, was campaigning, he said, "I'm going to give you the fourteen hundred bucks," which he did. It was fourteen or whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't like the, the Republicans didn't send out checks that the Fed just printed. I know. Yeah. So I'm saying, well, if you look at that Bitcoin graphic I made uh, a couple days ago, you see two bubbles in that Bitcoin. The first bubble is the Republicans, Democrats, and Trump with their COVID relief, and the second yeah. bump is the Biden Democrat. Sure. Uh, COVID relief. Absolutely. And it all went into Bitcoin. It's, it's Bitcoin, arti- Bitcoin rose for that reason, in my opinion. It's an artificial stack. Money goes wherever it, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, if can you imagine if if Trump would have come out with those with those, I mean with his personality, if he would have come out and said we're sending everybody a check, and five minutes later on CNBC you'd have saw you seen Jerome Powell going, go ahead, go out and borrow from it, buddy, because I'm not giving you a nickel. Can you imagine he he would have been. They, they'd have been they'd have been taking him down for treason that afternoon, and this this is the Republican side. Yeah. So the, for the Republicans yeah. to be bitching that the Democrats were doing this is crazy. They did the exact same thing. Oh yeah, it's a bipartisan effort, in my opinion. But the guys up top are. And are, I think that, I think it's created by the fact that the Fed is going to accommodate the politician. They're going to accommodate them. Well, they're, they're, the gonna ones, they're the ones make that are appointed. Artificially cheap. They're going to cover whatever deficit there is by either monetizing it directly. Through uh, the tre- uh, treasury purchases, or indirectly through these uh, essentially federalized banks. We we don't have. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. You know, I'm I'm a. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't. I don't think that we have anybody that I see. I mean, I mean this is a, this is a very broad brush. It's probably unfair. I don't see anybody that we have in any part of office. We don't have a Dan Inouye. You know. Uh, a Hawaiian guy who was wounded in World War II. The guy was above reproach. I think actually so was Bob Dole. I, and I think Jerry Ford, I think, might have been. Um, Everett Dirks and Paul Simon. I don't see any of these people being any been anywhere near the backbone to be anything like those people. You're, you're not going to get... Well, I think, I think the reason why that is because senators were once um, selected by their state legislatures. And now they're, we've resorted to some kind of democracy with respect to the Senate. The Senate's supposed to be the representative of the state. And so what you have is these national, senators are now running for office, a national office, right? And the, the financing, most of the financing comes outside those particular states. And so they represent national interests. They don't represent the, the voters in their state. Mitt Romney doesn't represent uh, Utah values. I don't think... Mike Lee represents Utah values. They represent corporatist values, especially Mitt Romney. Would you? Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't represent well, me. Next week, let's let's tee that up because we talk about all kinds of different people here. Who knows? Maybe we'll even get a guest on the other side while you're on for 15 minutes or so. I, I yeah. Other than the fact that they would rip the good parts out, I'm all for a, a, a constitutional convention at every level: Illinois, Chicago, and I. Somehow or another, we got to deal with this. Money coming from well, we have state. to. We have to restore federalism. We got to let Utah be Utah and Florida be Florida and, and New York be New York, and let people figure out where they want to live. Right? What, what policies they want with voting by their feet? Right? Well, so what you guys want me in Utah? What about Eliani? You want Eliani in Utah? Well, I, I just think it's really important. If New York wants a big social safety net, 
and a place like Wyoming doesn't want one because they don't really need it, just let them be different. Why does why do New York policies have to be Wyoming policies, or why do Wyoming policies have to be California policies? Just let the states be themselves. Well, I think in some some, I think if the, the federal government, I think we only got thirty seconds. I don't have a problem with the federal government setting some standards there, but I think if they do, they should pay for it. Yeah, and not let the Fed print yeah. the money to yeah, cover it. Right. S&P futures up down 11, as if he's down 35. Thank you, Al. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you, Eliani. Uh, big mover again is Walmart up 6 bucks now. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.